All Things Unexplained, hosted by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. <laughs> CJ Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun Man. I'm just old nobody, somebody looking for somebody. Previously on All Things Unexplained. She's also written Bigfoot Lives Forever in Idaho. Here's Becky. The people waited until the, it circled the house and ran around the back, and they ran out and jumped in the car and went down to the police station. And the police sent out two cars with policemen. But by the time they got there, the, the Bigfoot was gone. But he had completely dismantled the pump house behind the house. So they found these great big enormous footprints in the mud and they followed them down the canal towards where we lived. What's your opinion on uh, why has not a body uh, obviously been found yet uh, in the in the woods, you know? Uh, animals obviously expire at some point in time. Why has not a Bigfoot body been found? Uh, I've got my theory. I want to hear yours. So I actually... So there is actually three stories that I can tell you about that. And um, I interviewed this guy who was an old scout leader, Boy Scouts leader. And he said he took his scouts on a 50-mile hike up in the center of Idaho, up in one of those wilderness areas. And he said it was about the middle of the week. So like a Wednesday, they'd hiked roughly 23 miles. And he said they'd set up camp for the night and the boys were playing steal the flag. They're just out pulling around. And he said he and the other leader were sitting by the tents getting supper ready. And the kids came back and were just shaking in their shoes. And they said, we found something. You got to come see it. So they take him over and they, in the middle of this cluster of uh, bushes, they found these five graves that were all laid out one next to the ne next to each other five of them and he wow. said every single one of them were longer than 10 feet long so he said it Whoa. they had been laid out he would guess like yeah. the fall of the following year of the previous year sorry because he said there were little you know little little weeds growing back up but not nothing nothing big and um he said the scouts were paranoid and they were afraid that an axe murderer was carrying bodies up there. And he's like, no, 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 look at this. Look oh. at this. L logically, we've just hiked 23 miles. There's no axe murderer in the world is going to kill somebody and drag a body 23 miles just to bury it in this specific spot. You know, and it's an old grave. We're safe for the night. You're okay. And he said it took a while to get the kids settled down, but but he remembered that and he told me yeah. about it. And I thought, that is not stinking cool. 
that's something I would like to see. I mean, I've dug deep. But they didn't take any pictures or anything. And uh, then the second... I was just saying, I've dug ditches and stuff before, and you wouldn't gra okay. dig a grave as hard as that would be to do. Four feet longer than necessary, or, you know, my two or three feet. That, that'd be a lot of digging for just a normal human being. You wouldn't want that, that long. That's too much work. Uh, it had to be something, something else. Yeah. Oh, that is mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah. That is crazy. So one of the other stories I'd ask, because uh, I was asking this question prior to hearing that story, what happens to them when they die? And one of the main stories that I kept hearing over and over again was that uh, they've seen them take them down to the river, put their bodies in the yeah. water and stack rocks on their chest until they're carried down into the water. So I'd heard that one. And then just two months ago, I was interviewing a fella who's 73 this year. He's Native American, grew up here on the reservation, and he's had some really phenomenal experiences with the Bigfoot. And literally, they are his neighbors, and he, and he treats them like neighbors. But he, we have talked about a lot of the stories because they've had four generations worth of interactions with these families. And um, I said, so have you ever heard of one getting killed? And he says, yeah. He said, back when I was young, like um, 12 or 13, some teenagers who were older than I was were fooling around up the mountain. They had been drinking. They were driving too fast. And they came down around a corner and they hit a baby Bigfoot. And of course, it made them all sick. You know, it, it, it was dead. So two of the young men stayed with the Bigfoot. The other two went down into the valley and they got the, the spiritual leaders. The, and they went up and he said they held a funeral for him and they sang and they danced. And they, um, he said it was, they were trying to make amends for the stupid activity that these kids had done, you know, while they were drunk, while they were being idiots. And I said, is that grave still there? And he said, yes, it's still there. It's on par. He said, the grave is still there, it's still protected, and there's still somebody who still put something on that grave because he's seen it. And, and I was thinking, man, that is yeah. cool. I had never heard that story nope. before. So yeah. there's your three different versions. And plus, I mean, you know, you think about as much, I'm a hunter, and as many times I've been in the woods, I've very rarely found any kind of carcass. I'm talking about any kind uh, of animal bones or anything. I think they just get scavenged so quickly uh, that, that basically that's what happens to most things around here. Uh, if it's dead, it's going to be scavenged very quickly, so that could be another possibility I mean, of, of how these things disappear you know there's a there's a for this last book and I actually put um, let me think he's in the Bigfoot Lives Forever also 
His name is Dave Erlinson and he is a backwoodsman. He's yeah. he lives outdoors more than most people live indoors. He's just one of those fellows that he just feels more comfortable outside. So um, he had this amazing experience this last year. He's run into the Bigfoot before a couple of couple of different times. The first time I interviewed him, he said he had heard him scream in close proximity, and it just shook him through his 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 um, torso. And then he's like, uh, I interviewed him on a Friday. The following Wednesday, he actually saw a Bigfoot jump across the road in front of their pickup as they were coming down the mountain. And but that was the only two experiences that he remembered. Okay, so if you've read most of my stuff, I talk about how I believe that people who have had near-death experiences are more in tune with spiritual entities such as the Bigfoot. So he, uh, this is Labor Day weekend last year, 2020. He was up in the mountains on a horse. He said it was a new horse to him and the saddle did not fit him. And he was all alone out hunting. And he said he was a mile up into the woods and the horse, um, he, he was cueing it to go to the north. The horse turns to the south and he went off the horse and he fell on this rock Ooh. embankment and he broke his neck. Clean break. Broke his neck. Oh, wow. oh. And he said, I'm laying there thinking I've carried men out of the woods that have been hurt worse than this. And I know that if I stay here, I'm going to die. But I also know if I stand up, there's a good chance I'll never walk again in my life. But he said, what choice do you have? I didn't, I'm not ready to die. So he said he stood up and he held on to the horse's um, saddle. And he walked about half a mile down the mountain. And by then he was getting pretty weak. So he got on the saddle and I'm thinking... Oh my gosh, you crazy nut. So it gets on the saddle, <laughs> comes down another half a mile, loads the horse into his rig, and he starts for the nearest hospital. And he was partway to the hospital when he realized that he couldn't, he was starting to not be able to breathe. So he pulled off at this little mom-pa business and he, he said, but then he's got blood all over his face from the day. And he said, I go in and made it in there and fell down on my knees and I said, please, please just call 911. Please just help me. And luckily, there there was an ambulance four minutes away. They got him in. They intubated him. Um, he had to have a whole full halo for the whole eight weeks, I think it was. But he's able to walk now. And um, so... I actually went out to visit him when he had the whole halo thingy on and he said, Becky, it was the dangest thing. I'm laying there in the hospital. My kids are coming to visit me. And he said, I remembered memories that had completely been suppressed about the Bigfoot. And he said, I can tell you that I have run into the Bigfoot and stood less than 20 feet away from them. And he said, in close proximity, my kids were aware of it. Because of where I've been in the mountains, you know, I, he said, I'm on game trails that they're all coming down off the mountain. I know where to find the footprints. And anyway, he's telling me all these amazing things. And then um, he gets the halo off December 6th, 2020. Mm -hmm. 
And a week oh, and a half later, they found cancer in his gut. So oh. right in between there, he's had a crazy life. So he said his neighbors came by to stop and visit him. And, and they said, you'll never guess. Um, the kids were driving past your place just to check on it. And they saw this. <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> I mean, he lives way out yeah. the little... It's the last place before you go into the mountains. And I think he actually built it, that cabin he lives in. But um, they said, you know, here's this, this Bigfoot. Well, he said it just happened that he uh, he had these trees, these apple trees, and he's all excited to pick the apples for the year because he keeps them. <laughs> he said he went down and there was nothing left on the tree, not anything. And he said normally... <laughs> Normally, all of those apples would fill the back of a pickup. And he said, there's nothing there, but way, 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 way up at the top of the tree. And he was like, crap, you know? <laughs> so un unbeknownst to him, while all this stuff was happening in his life, these two neighbor kids who saw the Bigfoot the first time, they went looking for it every night after their chores were done. They would drive around his place and up and down the roads looking for Bigfoot. And they saw him coming out of the neighbor's orchard. So, so I, I said, so, so you've got, you've got a, you've got a Bigfoot that's got a sweet tooth. And he's like, yep, yep. Well, I talked to him just three days ago and he said, um, he's, he's back to walking like five miles a day. He goes everywhere but he hadn't been up on top of his ridge. And he said, one of his, man, it looks like the carcass king, you know, where everybody's dropped all their carcasses for the last 20 years. He said, it's, there's dead fall and there's, there's all these animal carcass, just big piles of them. And he's like, you know, it's a dang to sing. He said, I kind of wonder now if that Bigfoot is hanging out of the back, you know, just because yeah. it's a, you know, pick my place clean. <laughs> Stay for the apples. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, huh. so that was pretty cool. But he he's literally run into a lot. <laughs> wow. He sounds like a tough so. guy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's an wow. amazing story. If you We're read the, to... that that book, the, the fourth book is it's just coming out. <laughs> I was reading another book while I finished that one, and um, a lot of the books you'll read nowadays have recipes in them. And I, I was laughing and just te teasing my husband, and I said, "You know, I should put some books. In, I should put some recipes in here. You know, Sasquatch yeah. stew, or Bigfoot barbecue." And, and he's yeah, laughing. Yeah, you were telling me about he's that. He's like, "You should do that." So I called Dave, and I said, "Dave." I'm actually thinking about doing this and he takes it just serious. He's like, you know, I could share some excellent recipes with you. So if you look at book four in the very back, there is some excellent recipes on how to cook muskrat, <laughs> how to cook wow. decent moose, <laughs> how to yeah. cook any type of chicken you can catch out in the forest, you know, chucker, pheasant or whatever. And, his his mama's secret for just about everything. It's a it's funny. I left a lot of his personality in there because he's just a kick in the pants. <laughs> what but a character a it sounds bird. like. I, 
<laughs> I need to check that out. And I see a future episode coming up uh, of All Things Unexplained yeah. Bigfoot Tasting Competition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that would be terrific. And a little bit of a mix of Fear Factor in there as well, I think. So we're talking to award-winning Bigfoot author Becky Cook. If you'd like to pick up a signed copy of one of her books, you can check out our website, BeckyCookOnline.com. Becky, we have a couple of great listener questions here if you're up for it. Go ahead. Okay, so listener George Winters, long-time listener, he had a couple of questions. He, he wants to know, does anyone have any guess about the life expectancy of for a Bigfoot, and great question, George. See, I don't know how long they live, but I know that they live a lot longer than us. Because um, I've interviewed people who've had dealings with some that are up in their hundreds. And he said they're not slowing down. They're in really excellent physical shape. 132 years old was the one, and um, the other one was like 140-something I don't even remember what, but they don't, they're not laying around eating Cheetos and basking on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they're living a pretty natural life out there. Makes you wonder how much longer we'd live. (laughs) Oh yeah, I know, right? We need to, well, uh, Idaho, I discovered, is the Huckleberry State and of course lots of potatoes, so maybe they're just eating lots of potatoes and huckleberries. But, you know, <laughs> Becky, I did notice that in a lot of your stories, the witnesses would make additional comments. Like, uh, I think it might have been to, uh, a listener in Basin Patch or perhaps Freeman Lake, but one of your witnesses in your book commented about how the Bigfoot just kind of slinked away like an old man. Yeah. And casually, but... But yet casually pushed a tree out of his way going uphill with his left hand. So a superhuman old man. But they noted (laughs) that, right? And then other, right, and other witnesses noted, well, it definitely did not seem like an old Bigfoot. Yeah. Or, uh, and so I just thought that was interesting. Great, great question, George. And I think that you're, you're probably right. I would suspect that these entities do do are very long-lived if i had to guess yeah and he did have another question here do and i and i bet you have a good insight into this do people do witnesses think they are seeing the same one over a period of years it depends on who you're talking to i actually had an ongoing relationship with just one for a long time and I actually miss seeing him. We moved. He did not. He's probably still in the same area. We oh, saw additional Bigfoot too, but we saw that one a lot. And it was just, he had a funny sense of humor and just funny, funny Bigfoot. <laughs> so I know that some right. people have those ongoing relationships and others, I think they're different. You know, like the one, the scout leader who said he found those five graves, he'd run into them and he said the first one was white and gray. You know, like you'd think an old man, but he said, I think it was just its color. 
and then um, one of the others he ran into was black and uh, black and brown with brown shimmery hair. You are listening to All Things Unexplained. Hey, Unexplained Ones, this is Dr. Mouse. We would love for you to follow us, give us a five-star review. Check us out at allthings-unexplained.com. There you will find links to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon. This podcast is made possible with support from listeners like you. We are also brought to you by Coma Toast Tacos, home of Squatching.com, where you'll find my Bigfoot-themed children's books. We appreciate you. And now, back to award-winning Bigfoot author, Becky Cook. And you know, you mentioned, and of course, the the Bigfoot fellow with the uh, female Bigfoot attention there. <laughs> that that was sir George might have missed that that part. So somebody uh, in Idaho has a a lady uh, suitor Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting you brought up the white Bigfoot because. One of your encounters in your book in, where was it, in Driggs, yeah. Idaho? Did I say that right? Yep. Right, Driggs. So they actually encountered at, at a sheep camp, and I really loved this story. Uh, what they described as a tall, white Bigfoot with a Chewbacca-like head, not not an ape-like head. And now you've mentioned that, you know, you've heard of mm-hmm. other white Bigfoot encounters. Do you, do you hear about that? A lot, and do you, do you think it's because of the winters there, and maybe some sort of Yeti <laughs> connection or confusion, or what? I asked one of my native friends about that because um, one of the questions I had when I first started was, do they age like we do? Like, do, does their hair turn gray? Do you know? Do they fade at the temples, or um, <laughs> you know, is this something that that? defines them as being older and she said no she said she had actually seen newborn bigfoot that had a cream or a gray hair texture to them i said so what about the other thing a lot of the stories that i've collected are have to do with male bigfoot and i had kind of formulated this opinion you know like so Obviously, there's female ones because that's how you get the baby ones. So, are they more protective of the females, or you know, why is it that you just don't see them or hear of them so much? And she said that they're more. Um, she said it seemed the females were more content to just stay closer to their homes and take care of their kids. But um, I said, okay, so do they? Do the females grow their hair long like some women do? And she said she had seen them where they they grew their hair long and they would tuck their hair back behind their ears and tuck a flower behind their ear. And she said like some, um, oh. we got talking about um, the the smell because I noticed that um, there are times when there's a distinct smell and there's others when there's not. And then each different Bigfoot has a different smell. And she mentioned that also. She said that they use their smell like a calling card. 
So they can be coming past your place. You may not even be able to see them, but you'll smell them. And it will literally only be there for 10 or 15 seconds. You'll, that's why you'll know it's not, it's not a skunk because skunks has a real oily smell. Everything. Uh. <laughs> so, but a Bigfoot smell will be there and then it'll be gone. And, and I've noticed that quite a bit. So it's, it's, it's been fascinating as I, there's so many older natives that have had these relationships and it's fascinating to me. And as I find these people, I am just so happy to just sit down and just say, please just tell me some stories. Tell me your experience and then sit and just listen and ask some questions about, you know, what do they look like? And one thing that amazed me was that they speak more languages than we realized. I mean, people will say, oh, they're just a stupid animal. And I think, no, no, a lot of them are smarter than me, you know, and they're um, just right here close. I've had stories where they've spoken to them in Navajo, in Shoshone, in the Bannock, in English, and then also in a, like a, um, some type of a fragmented German conversation. But the Bigfoot also have their own language as well. It's so uh, it's just there are so many things that most people have no concept of because it's not something they look that deep into, you know. Right, and it that's where one of your like stories. A lot of... Go ahead, Tim. Sorry, CJ. I was going to say, Becky, we're, we're talking with award-winning Bigfoot author Becky Cook. Check out Becky Cook online to pick up a signed copy of any of her books. But one of the things that, the stories that struck me, Becky, and I was just like, wait, what? Is a witness that you interviewed in that had an encounter in Freeman mm -hmm. Lake. And she said that she had heard some whoops from the Bigfoots, but not like the whoops you hear on television. And we all know about finding Bigfoot. And, you know, those folks going out and whooping in the woods. And I've got my own whoop, and my son, my son has his own whoop, and my daughter has her own distinctive whoop. But this is what caught me off guard. I was like, wait, I've never heard this before. She said she also heard beeps from the Bigfoots and, and heard different beeps coming from at least three different yeah. side. And now you're mentioning the different languages, and that kind of makes sense right and i've never really heard about these other sounds that bigfoot they, are making. they're really curious beings and they listen and they mimic really well so you know i'm sure all of you have seen the harry and the hendersons movie where he he echoes oh, yeah. that siren that has happened and, and like um where they'll echo the sound of a baby crying just up close um, there's been some really amazing things, just, just, just the, and I don't know whether they're just playing with us or what, but, um, it, it's fascinating to me, you know, <laughs> there's more intelligence there than just a oh, plain yeah. old, you know, cat. Well, cats are pretty smart too, but. <laughs> <laughs> and evil, and so. plenty evil. <laughs> 
Um, the Bigfoot screams seems to be prevalent. There were a lot of stories about people hearing Bigfoot screaming and just how like gut shaking yeah. those screams are. Where do we think that, I mean, why do we think that exists? Is that just some sort of defense mechanism or a way to communicate? Why, what is everybody's thought on why the Bigfoot are screaming at them? You know, I haven't really thought to ask that type of question, but I know that, um, I know that I have a deep voice for a woman, and I know that they have even deeper voices because of longer vocal cords. So if you hear one yell at you, you'll hear it, man, and you'll feel it through your whole body shaking. It, you know, it's just, you know, like you're standing next to like a big diesel engine. You can feel that vibration. It's kind of like that. And that's why when somebody says, well, I, you know, this thing happened and I don't know whether to believe it was a Bigfoot or not. I, if you can feel it through your chest, it's probably pretty much a Bigfoot. I don't know why they do it, though. I, sometimes I think it's a warning. Just, you know, back off. Um, you're doing something stupid. Back off. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it was surprising to me. It was surprising to me to hear how many people had experienced the screams because I'm a novice when it comes to Bigfoot. But you know, from what I understood, they keep to themselves. They don't really want to interact with people too much. They're sort of hidden in the forest. So to hear that they were making themselves very, very known vocally. Yeah. Yeah, I know there's been, um, when I when I interview these people, there's a lot of stories that I don't use in my books because um, either the people don't want to go on record or there's no way of verification that it happened or something just doesn't sit right. And, and I mean, there's, somebody asked me, he said, how can you tell when somebody's telling the truth? And I said, it's a gut level reaction. You know, there are times when somebody will tell me a story and halfway through it'll change. And I'll just think, that's where you started to lie, you know, to make it sound better. Um, there yeah. was one story this fella told me and I just thought, that is so is A couple of people in the, in the group had written about it. But this guy was saying that um, there were seven of them had gone up to go hunting elk in the middle of winter. And he said, we're watching this herd of elk come over the hill. We're waiting for the buck. Everybody's hunkered down on their stomachs and most of them have their scopes out, scoping this, this herd of elk. And over the rise, here comes this big bull elk. And he said, it comes down over the hill, maybe 20 feet or so. All of a sudden it puts down its horns and just runs right into the back of this big boulder. And then this black thing comes sailing through the air and lands in the snow. And he said, we watched this enormous fight play out while this elk took on this Bigfoot. And they went back and forth and back and forth. Holy and they cow. were screaming and they were yelling. And he said, sounds coming out of that elk I've never heard before. And there came a point in that, in that whole huh. fight where the Bigfoot grabbed hold of the elk with his left hand, his, grabbed his horns with the left hand, and he just reached over with his right arm and he disemboweled the elk from butt end to, to the front. Holy and laid it out. 
and you know everything stops it up and he ripped off the hindquarters off of that elk put it over his shoulder and went up off the mountain and this guy says we're all sitting there and it's almost like a breathless anticipation of you you're seeing this whole thing play out in front of you and such majesty and such strength and you know just amazing and and i said so what'd you do and he wow. said well we gave him a couple of minutes to get ahead of us, but we went up to harvest the rest of the carcass because they weren't going to let it just waste. And he said, I said, so that must have been pretty cool. He said, yeah. He said, one of the biggest elks I've ever seen. He said, what really got me was that there were bite marks all over its neck mm. that looked human. You know, and so as they're fighting, seeing it just biting the heck right. out of his neck and I thought, man, that would be something else. <laughs> so, wow. there's some pretty cool stories out there. <laughs> no, that is, that's yeah, that's something amazing. you don't hear every day. Holy cow! No, I will say one thing that I love about your book, and I I read one, and Tim read a different one. I think um, I'm going to have to read all of the other ones too. But the stories are really yeah. short. And they're really simple and people's stories aren't overly extravagant. It's just, you know, straightforward. Here's what I saw or heard or smelled or felt or what have you. It almost felt to me like all these people were sitting around a campfire with <laughs> you and they were all just kind of sharing their stories. And then I got to enjoy them and read them on my end. And um, from really, really simple to somewhere a little bit more extraordinary, but they um, all just felt very real and very like it could be anybody's experience if they open their eyes and their mind to it. And it's a very quick read. I would highly recommend anybody go out there and, you know, pick up the book and it's very well priced. I got the Kindle version. It was not expensive at all. And so I just was able to enjoy it over the past few days and um, can't wait to read the others. But you have some children's books too. Yeah. Yes? I. <laughs> started working on these children's books last year and I've been writing for my kids for years and years and years <laughs> so my kids have kind of <laughs> have been the instigating factor behind the fact that they wanted me to tell the Bigfoot stories I mean seriously my little brother when I first said that I would write the Bigfoot book the first one he just thought that was cool because he used to drag me out to these Boy Scout things and he's like, well, Becky's had a Bigfoot encounter. <laughs> Tell him about it. You know? <laughs> and I did all these stories. And um, it was kind of that way with the children's books, too. The kids kept saying, Mom, you've got all these really cool stories in there. We'd love to have you, you know, get them all ready for your grandkids. And my problem is I, ha I, I can create stories like crazy, you know, the, the fictional ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, Becky, we have a friend of the show that has chimed in on Facebook, Dane Beck, and he's actually from Montana, and he's passed along a lot of just incredible UFO stories and Bigfoot stories. 
to me from his experiences in Montana and elsewhere. And he said, you know, we were talking about Harry and the Hendersons, so friend of the show, Dane Beck, said he loves Harry and the Hendersons. He's watched it probably Love a it. thousand times. And get this, John Lithgow, we know the main main character, the dad, and Harry and the Hendersons, actually hit on his mom once. And what? that was on Wild Horse Island, Flathead Lake, Montana. <laughs> so, a listener of personal experience there with Harry and the Hendersons. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Dane. That's funny. Next time on All Things Unexplained. Uh, let me ask you a question. What, what's your thoughts on the Patterson-Gimlin film? This has been All Things Unexplained.